the four-wheel chase experience. I love it. The following is a production by Cutting to the Chase podcast. It's a sweet, it's a sweet gig. I, I don't want anyone to think yeah, for one right, second for sure, that it's not a totally sure. sweet gig, but right. And uh, I'm lucky that I'm able to make these galaxy brain calculations in my head and be able to act accordingly. But right, I yeah. will say. That- Dieter, what's up, my man? How you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, man. Awesome. Definitely glad to uh, chat with you. Um, been meaning to reach back out to you. So glad we could finally do it here in 2024. But Absolutely. Uh, yeah, definitely cool to chat some sports with you. So first off, House of Family, I, I, I actually asked our friend Jeff Young. I said, hey, yeah. I'm talking to Dieter. Um, do you have anything you want me to ask? And he said, how's the new baby? He wanted to know how the new baby is. So uh, she, She's a year and a half old now, Jeff. Thank you for asking. Uh, she uh, she controls the house, so I only have as much time as she gives me. And uh, no, it's great. It's great. Uh, it will, uh, you know, being a sports writer and stuff, you can get on a pretty, pretty good high horse every now and again, right? You can feel yeah, like yeah. you know a lot better than the rest of the world. <laughs> Nothing will bring you back down back down to where you belong like having a toddler running around so it's it's the the best job in the world and uh then i do the other thing which is talk about sports so uh it's all good and yeah you know i i feel like um i mean i'm not a, i'm not a dad and i'm a sports fan so i'm not doing it professionally yeah. like you but yeah. i have to i feel like on the one hand you're probably like i can escape to sports for an hour but then it's yeah. like you know what now i can escape back to my family for a little bit too yeah, I think I think that's fair. I, I I certainly, when I was in Vegas for the Super Bowl, was like, oh boy, I'd, I'd sure like to escape this and get back to my family. And uh, it's not it's nice to have it's nice to have all that going on. I've always tried. I mean, I'm a boring, generally uncool person. I've always tried to enrich my life. Now it's just a lot more straightforward. Well, there you go. I think you've got your priorities in check. But yeah. actually, let's start with the Super Bowl. So you were in Vegas. So how was that being in Vegas for the first Super Bowl that was in Vegas? How was that? Yeah, I left on Thursday on purpose. Um, it is, uh, <laughs> I mean, every Super Bowl is a blank show, and this one was no different. I will say this about Las Vegas. It can incorporate, it can envelop a Super Bowl probably better than any other city. Hmm. Uh, I don't think that there were certainly some folks from Europe who were there who didn't realize that the Super Bowl was happening this week. Like it just, it wouldn't, it, it's, it wasn't so omnipresent when they did the Super Bowl here in the Bay or, you know, certainly in, in, in other markets across the country, it, everything is the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl takes over the town. Uh, I would say that it did that, but you can't take over Vegas. So mm. I do think that Vegas did a very, very good job in, just taking on the game in the way that really only that city can do. It does big events really, really well. And it did that very, very well. That said, uh, I'm, I'm not a Vegas guy naturally. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I was so ready to leave. Uh, it was, it was the access that you can get Monday through Thursday of Super Bowl week is pretty, pretty special in terms of there's no, it's the NFL calling the shots. So the 49ers don't get to do their general, you can't talk mm. to this guy, you can't talk to that guy thing. You get to talk to anybody you want for as long as you want, more or less. And that's incredible. You only get to do that once a year, and that's if you're lucky. So um, that was really great that we were able to do that. But it was you know, like an hour outside of town. Mm. You're sitting on a bus all day. 
you're on the strip. Everything was, you know, we think stuff's expensive here in the Bay. Like, oh, my God, Vegas prices <laughs> during Super Bowl week. Uh, oh, yeah. I've never been happier to get on a plane than I was to get on that plane on Thursday night after media availability. And while it kind of sucked not being in the stadium, and this was a personal choice. My editor's like, you need to be at the game. And I'm like, no, I don't. I've covered four of these before, and let me tell you, uh, I'm going to be able to actually hit deadline if we're, oh, yeah. if we're sitting at home. Uh, if I'm at the game and the internet doesn't work and I have the space of a Spirit Airlines flight and I'm having to feel the emotional resonance of the stadium, like we're not hitting deadline. And uh, so it's going to be a real issue. It kind of sucked not being able to see the safeties. It was certainly a great game from a neutral perspective. So, you know, it kind of sucks yeah. not being there. But the trade-off was that I wasn't in Las Vegas for three days with nothing to do. And uh, that sounds like a personal hell to me. So I'm glad that I avoided that. You know, it's funny when you said that. I was thinking you meant um, – I, I, at first I was thinking you meant you left Thursday as it come back yeah. from Vegas. And then I thought, oh, no. maybe you meant to go there. And then you were – what I was thinking, no. you left. So No, I was there for the media availability and just yeah. the media availability. And again, have it, it, this is something that, that comes with – it's a luxury of having done it a, a bunch yeah. of times before. Mm-hmm. I just know that there's nothing to be gleaned from after the game. So the the main takeaway is that there's a bunch of local TV people from all across the country. They're going to be boxing you out for any decent space. I'm a writer. I'm on deadline. I'm going to be in a position where I might not even be able to get in position to go talk to anybody after the game. If it's, if they lose, which I've done before, uh, obviously in 2019 (laughs) being in that stadium in Miami, a place that I worked for several years, I thought I had a, a leg up on, on everybody else because I knew that stadium like the back of my hand didn't matter because they keep the door closed after the game so that you know, everyone can kind of not have to face the music a little bit. Um, yeah. If you win, you're sure as hell not getting in there and talking to anybody. So, um, listen, it, was it a perfect situation? Absolutely not. Like, it, it will always be – the perfect situation is that you can get everything you want at the game too, but having to you – know, people were having to get on a bus at 10.30 in the morning – so that mm. they can get in the line, so that they can yeah. do two hours of security for a three thirty game, and it's just like, you know, last last Super Bowl I covered in Miami, I was literally writing on my lap because the desk just ended at my seat. It was, it, it's always a hot mess. You just have to. There's just too many people who get credentials, and that's yeah. the NFL's decision. That's fine. They, they've decided right. that you know, folks with YouTube channels and stuff want to do it. That whatever, <laughs> like that's yeah. their prerogative. I got to live with their rules, but. Um, I, I, I have, I have found the game itself to not really be worth being in the building for with all the hoopla that goes around it. And of course, you know, the cost, the cost was insane. This go oh, around, yeah. whereas I was there Monday through Friday, I think it cost like $300 total. Now I stay, we were staying at a crappy media hotel, the Luxor, <laughs> which I, if I ever step foot in again, take me out on the spot. Um, but you know, the worst part about Vegas is it took me three days to realize that I could go outside, like physically yeah. leave the Mandalay Bay Luxor compound and like walk outside and get fresh air. That was pretty stupid on my end. I probably should have been doing <laughs> that from day one. But um, yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll warp your head staying in Las Vegas, man. And I guess that's what makes it a great spot for for big events. But, uh, you know, yeah. There's a reason it keeps expanding. A bunch of suckers think that they all know how to how to beat it, and it just keeps winning. Not for me. 
you know, it's funny too because you mentioned how uh, you know, because I'm I'm assuming like, all right, Vegas, um, yeah. it's a big city. We know what can happen in Vegas. Yeah. You know, Joe Buck was saying he didn't have any interest in going there, and yeah. so when I didn't really dawn on me, I guess until you mentioned it, but I was thinking like, well, you know what? You said that they they did a pretty good job, and yeah, yeah. I guess Vegas is used to being able to host specific huge events like that, yeah. even with the Super Bowl. But um, and it can bring people in with like real ease, right? Like yeah. every. There's direct flights from everywhere. They're all subsidized by the state of Nevada. Like it's, they handled it. Now I will say this: I I didn't have to deal with the three day blank show that was Friday, Saturday, Sunday, where apparently it was it was too much and like you couldn't go oh. anywhere, you couldn't do anything. I didn't have to deal with that when I left Las Vegas on Thursday night for an eight thirty p.m. flight. Right, I got on a we got in an Uber at Lake Las Vegas where the Niners were doing their media availability. It was gonna be like an hour on the bus back to the hotel. I said, I'm just gonna get an Uber from here, go get yeah. some chicken wings or something. Like I, I can't I can't get on that goddamn bus again. And uh I got to the airport. It was me and, and my buddy Jake Hutchinson, who works for ninety five seven the game, forty nineers game day podcast with me, all that. And uh I convinced him, like, you got to get out of here on Thursday. Like, nothing good will happen Friday or Saturday. And you're just going to be sitting at the Luxor wondering, what have you done with your life? And uh, uh, <laughs> we get to the airport, and the line for arrivals is a mile long, literally, Ugh, with cars. Geez. Our Uber dropped us off at departures. We were the only car. We get to security. And Vegas knows how to get people in and out. I mean, it's a oh, great yeah. airport for that. Right, you got... 30 roped lines going on. There were five people working security and three people trying to check in. It was me, Jake, and some other guy. I mean, <laughs> it was insane. And as soon as I saw that, I'm like, this is the best decision I've ever made because we're getting replaced 150 to one. If I mean, that, that's ridiculous. Probably, probably 10,000 to one we're getting replaced at right now. So yeah. uh, I don't want any part of that. And, uh, Again, Vegas. Vegas just kind of makes me sad. You can only look at people playing the slots for so long, and before you start getting depressed. Did you play any slots or any get in any of the tables? No, I, I didn't. I didn't. I don't. Uh, I, I don't mess around with games that are inherently built for me to lose. Right. Uh, yeah. I do fair. enough of that in my day to day. Right. <laughs> I get my ass kicked enough. Um, yeah. Listen, I mean, I, I, there's a lot of stories coming out of Vegas of X making X amount of money or Z making you know that much amount of money. No one ever tells you about all the money they lost uh, in yeah. Vegas. I'll tell you straight up. I, I left with less money than I showed up with, but it was a very small amount, and it had to do with meals and yeah. this nice cigar I bought. So, uh, uh, I, uh, yeah, just not a Vegas guy and you know, the town just keeps getting bigger and bigger and more extravagant. And, uh, I, I wonder when people will realize, you know, that that's all you, that's your fault. Yeah. <laughs> you're the, <Yeah. laughs> you're the ones who keep making it happen. But, um, if they were to do the Super Bowl there again, I think I would do the exact same thing. I think, I think they did a really good job. And, uh, in terms of just, yeah, engulfing the, the whole spectacle of it all, uh, next year is new Orleans. Apparently that's going to be something, and because uh, New Orleans is a town that can barely hold itself together for nothing. So that's really <laughs> interesting to see how it handles the Super Bowl. And then uh, we get it here in the Bay in, in 2026. Big year for the Bay in 26. We get those World Cup games and then the oh, Super yeah. Bowl. So we'll see uh, We'll see if the Niners have anything to say about the 25 or 26 Super Bowls. Uh, I think there's reasons to be optimistic about it, but pretty depressing when you 
take into account the the loss that they had yeah. in, in that game and the opportunity that they had in that game and a million ways to parse it together. Happy to uh, – I, I don't know if I have an answer for you on specifically why they lost, but I got a bunch of little ones that I can throw your way. Well, I'm looking forward to that for sure. And um, going back real fast to yeah. – you said you've been to what, four Super Bowls total now? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I guess uh, five. I don't know. Um, they kind of blur together too, which is really fun. Well, you're a veteran of being, so it makes sense yeah. if you're thinking I've been here before, I've been through the experience, I've seen the games. You know, you let one I go. Know no, I know, no, I know, nothing good is waiting for me on the other side of that. That's two hour long security line. Because you've had to deal it. with that already. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so it's a was real it, privilege that I was able to say no. Right. right. Like, exactly. I, I think. I think. I think people yeah. say, "Oh, it's such a privilege you would have been able to go to the Super Bowl," and I go, "No, the real privilege is being able to say I'm not." going right. to the Super Bowl. Um, Cuz you've done it. Yeah. Cuz I've done it and I know, you know, I'm I'm working it. You know, yeah. I, I think that's the big kicker. Yeah. Um, it's hard for people to see past the access to kind of totally understandable. See past the access to the fact of like, no, I'm 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 at work here. Um cool job, sick concept, but you know, job's got to get done and uh it's very hard to work at the Super Bowl. Uh, I, you know, I, I was I was <laughs> telling somebody about this, and they just came back, and they're just like Kansas City, and not to crap all over my people from Kansas City, but like I'm six nine, three hundred pounds, man. Like I'm the biggest person representing San Francisco there by a long shot, and that ain't the case with Kansas City folk, baby. I, I know I know where my stock was made. I was I, I'm a I'm a son of kansas farmhands like i I know i know that they make them bigger over there uh i'm testament to that and i go i listen when we were when we were in that stadium on monday night for uh media day you know you kind of take stock because i actually did have a credential for the game if i wanted to go Mm -hmm. and we could have extended the hotel without an issue whatsoever and i go you know maybe maybe if they have enough media seating maybe I, i can talk myself into this and i'm looking and i go ain't no way not a chance in hell it was to the point where i i I don't know how they got anybody in there because they had some overflow and the press box itself like not a shot and i've i've worked it for three different outlets four different outlets three and um they'll always do you know, in Miami, they, they tried to do us as right as they could. I think, you know, credit to the Niners on that. And in the NFL, they, they do well by print media. They do well by folks who are on the, you know, every home game, a lot of road games. That They're there. They're, they're, they, they stand up for those folks when it comes to the seating in the press box. And even then, you're not you're not getting the primo seat, right? And, and we're, yeah. we're number one on the priority list. Uh, I was going to end up, I was going to end up in some auxiliary thing, looking at the back of a pole, you know, wondering (laughs) where the, you know, what quarter it is. Um, and I, I think that the real killer on that is I, the vast majority of people who go and cover the Super Bowl, they'll never tell you this much like they'll never tell you they lost money in Las Vegas. They're watching it on a TV in a tent. Yeah. And I've done that and you don't know until you show up, you know, I, I was a national columnist at Fox sports, but a couple of executives ended up taking my seat and uh, I end up in the tent, you know, so that these folks who aren't working can watch it. Uh, it was a great operation we had there. And, uh, yeah, I'm watching on TV. It's like, well, damn, I could have done this at home. At least, yeah. at least then I could go to the bathroom whenever I wanted. You know, I don't have to drink Pepsi products. So um, it's, uh, it is, 
the juice is not worth the squeeze. And it's also, you know, uh, I felt fine with giving up my seat for somebody else who has never done it before that they can learn the hard way. <laughs> right. Yeah. So uh, I guess you can't tell the executives that's in your seat to get out of your seat if you're working. <laughs> no. Nah. Especially when they're executives, right? No, no. I, I said yeah. a, I said a bunch of stuff, but uh, yeah. indirectly, let's put it that way. Right. Yeah, it's probably <laughs> a lot of probably it, the smart. A lot of it move, under yeah. my breath. Uh, I wasn't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Luckily, they fired us all not too long after. Ah, uh, well. <laughs> so, so are, are 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 all the Super Bowls that you've been to all Niners related, or yeah. was it the Niners nineteen and then some before that? Which which ones were you at? When I was at KMBR, the yeah. Super Bowl fifty was it uh, was here in San Francisco. So I, oh, I covered right. that okay. one. And then I, I gotcha. did uh, two Super Bowls for Fox. And then um, so every year, you know, two years I did, I, I'd go to the Super Bowl both times there as a national columnist there. And then um, when I came back to the Bay and, and locked in with the Merck and, and KMBR and all that, I, uh, uh, we went in Miami in 2019, which was kind of a throwback to I, – I worked in – South Florida when I first got out of school. So 2011 to 2014, 15. Um, so uh, it was cool to go back and be able to hit my old haunts and stuff. But yeah, yeah. during the game, here I am. So, it's, you know, it's fine. I'm, you, know, I, I, you sit down in the press box, you're like, oh boy, this this is where once you sit down, you're in. You know, it's it's, right. like, uh, it's yeah. like getting locked into a spaceship. There's not enough room to maneuver. Uh, It'd be one thing uh, if we're dealing with a smaller clientele. We're talking about football folks, baby. Like, they're, right. they're not exactly yeah. the smallest breed. So <laughs> um, you try to finagle and maneuver, and you just spend way too much time in a stadium than, than any human should just because of the necessity of it. And, uh, you know, while it's nice to be able to see the whole field, it's an incredible vantage point, you know, if you're lucky. Uh, just the ROI on it. <laughs> swayed towards don't show up and uh i think i made the yeah. right choice because overtime game on deadline pff, not a chance oh, i would have been able to get something out you know it's funny too because uh you said uh first of all you said did you say that you're from chicago or you you were in chicago grew up in chicago yeah you grew up there okay yeah so i don't know you probably know of like you know chris black and adam abdallah right with the spn 1000 well yeah and, yeah and then uh you know jeff meller Okay, so I chatted with Meller right before the Super Bowl, and he, I was asking him, I was like, hey, who do you think is going to win like, the Super Bowl MVP? And he was talking about how they'll vote on that thing before the game's over because of trying to hit deadline. And I'm yeah. like, and he was like, it's not the greatest uh, nah. you know, way to try to decide that. But And then you mentioned deadline again. And so, yeah, yeah. It, is, it is. I can only imagine the craziness that ensues or that happens even before the game is over, let alone when it does end. It's a sweet. It's a sweet gig. I, I don't want anyone to think yeah, for one right, second for sure. that it's not a totally sure. sweet gig. But right. And uh, I'm lucky that I'm able to make these galaxy brain calculations in my head and be able to act accordingly. But right, I yeah. will say that the juice of going to the Super Bowl is not worth the squeeze, and uh, that is not the same for any other sporting event in the world, perhaps. But the Super Bowl itself. <laughs> just as good if not better on tv <laughs> right i guess though if you're going as like a, a strictly as a fan is it still kind of that same because you're not dealing with the work aspect of it but also maybe it's like the crowd it's still huge crowds or it's unless you're crowd. like in a yeah i mean yeah it's crazy expensive mm -hmm. yep so you have to be able to make that calculation and i think back consistently to 
I could go a million ways with this, but I always <laughs> think back to the parking lot of, I think it was still Dolphin Stadium then. Yeah. During the 2020, or no, it wasn't even 2020, it was 2012 college football championship. It was still BCS even, I think. Mm-hmm. And it was the Alabama-Notre Dame one. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Growing up in Chicago, you know, raised in Catholic school and that stuff, uh, I know a lot of Notre Dame people. It's kind of a curse. And <laughs> yeah. I was just getting pelted with emails and calls all week. Can you get me tickets? Can you get me tickets? Can you get me tickets? No. It's not what I what, – who the hell do you think I am? No. I, mean, <laughs> I might have technically been working on the you know a, a part-time job with the Orange Bowl committee, but, like, still no. Um, and then uh, I'm in the parking lot. I'm just walking from – where I parked my car, which was like three and a half miles away, <laughs> have to yeah. walk through all the parking lots. I mean, it's tailgate city. Everyone's having a great time, and as well they should. And I run into so many people that I know just accidentally, just like all of Chicago, all of the, the southwest side just showed up. And I kept asking, like, do you mind if I ask, like, what did you pay for these tickets? And then, I mean, even... Now it's a re- like fifteen hundred, twenty two hundred, and I'm like, wow, you could buy the <laughs> nicest TV that's made, flat out, yeah. pay for the best party anyone's ever had, and you would still be like thousands of dollars ahead, or you could be here. And I'm pretty sure, and I, I, I mentioned this, and maybe it was an asshole thing to say, but like I'm just like, wow, that's a, that's a lot of money. Because I mentioned this in emails. I'm like, just save your money. Just watch it on TV. Get, get yeah. Go out. Have, throw the biggest party known to man. I brought it up to a couple of people when I saw them. I'm like, wow, you guys decided against the, the party, this and that. And I'm pretty sure after the second quarter when like Mante Teo is just getting run over again and again and again and again, <laughs> and again as Alabama's yeah. just running, they're running fucking yeah. inside zone repeatedly for 15 yards a pop. I'm pretty sure every one of those Notre Dame fans is like, man, I should have watched this at home. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I wasted a lot of money to be here. Uh, and yep. that threat, omnipresent, needs to be on the forefront if you're ever spending more than like $100 on a sporting event ticket, yeah. which is now apparently every sporting event ticket. On top of that, you want to have beer? Congratulations, you're out 20 bucks. Like the, I know. the price yeah. gouging of this stuff has gotten so extreme that I'm starting to question the sanity, certainly the fiscal sanity, if not the overarching sanity, of anyone who goes. And that's a really sh- shitty thing to sort of present. But like... At wh- how fanatical must you be to spend these sums of money on a team that clearly doesn't give a shit about you? And like, <laughs> yeah, it just kills me. It just kills me. It comes from a complete place of privilege that I don't. But I, I still go to games as a fan. I still pay full full freight. Yeah, like no one's right. giving me free tickets. I can either work and go to the game, which again is a point of privilege that I'm able to enter these stadiums for free under the ostensibly working in, in 99.99999% I am working. Sometimes I wait until the next day to write anything, but like I, I'm in the building because of my job to do my job. Uh, but I, I, the prices are just insane in this Vegas Super Bowl, I can only imagine what it's going to be like in two years in, in Santa Clara. I mean, it's like, how much is too much? Like, how much yeah. can you really, and, and, and I'm not even asking the NFL anymore. 
or Major League Baseball or anything. Clearly, there has to be some point for fans where, like, how much is too much? And for me, personally, it was a long time ago. And again, because I have that ability to, to go, I, I, I don't need to scratch any of those itches of, like, seeing this ballpark left, right, or center. But I, I just, I cannot, I cannot fathom how people budget for this. Maybe they just don't, and they're yeah. a lot more comfortable with debt than I am. But um, <laughs> it is, it is a, it is a borderline criminal how much this stuff costs. And so, to like, to oh, go yeah. to that Super Bowl as a fan, as a 49ers fan, one, you got to get there. Yeah. And the Southwest seats were insane, right? The Southwest yeah. of Vegas, they do it 30 times a day from Oakland, right? I sat in the Vegas airport for 90 minutes, and they called three different Oakland flights that weren't mine. <laughs> so <laughs> clearly they yeah. they know how to handle that route. It's the Greyhound of the yeah. West. And uh, those ticket prices, if you were to go out on like Thursday, were like 500 bucks, which is obscene because it should be a $40 plane ticket. Coming back, it was like $700. And so, okay, now you're at $1,000 for one plane seat on Southwest for an hour-long flight. Cool. You got to stay at a hotel. The hotels were $1,000 a night. What? $1,000 a night for the Luxor? That's a $29 a night hotel, which, by the way, never stay there at $29 a night. Never stay there for any price. It's a dump. Yeah. Just alternating smells of shit and cigarettes. Which you know, <laughs> might be you might be into that. Um, total dump. So now you're on another thousand dollars. The tickets are minimum just to get in a thousand dollars to sit anywhere worthwhile. You're at twenty five hundred. Okay, so now you're out. This is getting one person. Now, now you're out close to five thousand dollars already, and then you have to like yeah. feed and eat yourself. Or you got to eat yeah. and, and you know, like <laughs> yeah. get around right Ubers. Ubers yeah. were five x what they should cost. It's yeah. just like, dude. <laughs> then they lost. It's like you weren't you. Right. You know, like <laughs> all that to lose. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's why I always wonder about this people that like. You know, it's one thing to go to the World Series, the Stanley Cup Final, whatever. But I always wonder about the people that go to the Super Bowl, how they afford it. You just laid it out. It's mostly everything that leads up to it. Yeah, it's mostly like Visa executives and folks who get free comp tickets and. I mean that that that's a totally different section than just yeah. normal people. And, and then you have like Taylor that. Swift who has a box. Yeah, I mean the that people box like that that would have a box. Dollars. Oh yeah, you know? yeah. Like, right. a million dollars. What? Like, but I mean, like if you're a billionaire or a multi 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 millionaire, that's like do you whatever know, the hell you want. And right. by the way, is <laughs> when you get that rich, you're not paying for it because they want you yeah. to be there. Yeah, they, they want you there. They want you there. So someone else is paying for it so they can pan to you in the crowd. And I just I don't have any problem with the spectacle of it. I think they should do it up. Yeah. I think it should be a big yeah. deal. I think it should be this this event of all events. No problem with that whatsoever. What I do have a problem with is the fact that not just that game, that's the most extreme version, but mm-hmm. any game now mm-hmm. is totally yeah. inaccessible to anyone who has any fiscal sense. It's a, it's like a legitimately baffling, baffling thing to me. And again, I can only a, say this as a, as a point of privilege because I get to yeah. go to these games, quote unquote. But like, my God, I mean, the, the cost of a beer. It's like I can see why you're pounding them so hard in the parking lot, which, by the way, costs $75. Like, 
Right. I, I just, I can't, I can't, I can't justify it. Uh, maybe I don't love sports enough. I don't know. I, I, <laughs> it just blows my mind. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's funny because like, um, I don't know. It's like the NFL, the, the NFL knows that they dominate the news cycle in the off season. I was thinking about this before we started chatting about yeah. how, was it two years ago? Um, I remember in the NFL, it was like in March, uh, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, all these guys were changing teams. It was yeah. March. The NFL was was killing it still. And now you have next season, you're going to have games in Brazil on Friday night mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. The NFL knows they can do whatever they want, whenever they want. The only time They're maybe— They're really well-run business. And maybe it's not the only time, but like the most recent example where people were actually finally like, wait a minute, was when they had the like Peacock-exclusive NFL playoff game. They still paid for and it. Yeah, and they probably will, and or find a way to watch it. And I don't, I like, I'm not gonna go out of my way to pay for like Peacock. Now I actually got it randomly through my internet, so it's like, okay, cool, I can actually watch it anyway. I already had access to it through a friend, either way. But you know, I'm not gonna go out of my way. I like, you know, I'll watch as many games as possible, but I'm probably not gonna spend money to get, you know, Peacock or whatever the channel. But the NFL knows people are going to spend the money and do it and they can gouge or do whatever they have to do the vast difference between i mean first off i don't think very many people are actually watching you know nfl games via antenna which you can do for about 99 percent of them well i guess well everything i do it on cbs here (laughs) yeah i mean so you know listen i i have one you know i i still watch it through youtube tv but um right so i'm already gonna pay for something yeah, that's fine. That uh, that's not yep. an NFL thing. That's that's a, sure. that's a Dieter thing. But yeah, if you wanted to, you could get a lot of NFL for free. I guess, oh yeah. I guess what kills me is and like the difference between five ninety nine for one month of Peacock that you almost immediately cancel. So let's just call it a six dollar pay per view. Or if you're really <laughs> smart, you can get the seven day free trial and then just cancel yep. it. Like that's what I do. Yeah. So it's a pain in the ass, but like you're getting it for free. Um. It, the difference between that and charging $19.50 for a Bud Light yep. is astronomical. Why, why should why should a beer cost that much? Why should I not be able to right. eat a meal without spending $100 if I'm in an NFL stadium? Why does it cost so much money for a face value NFL game? Like, why are you not... The, I, I know I know the answer. It's a, it's a rhetorical question. It's a stupid rhetorical question. But, like, why is this stuff? Why And this is not just an NFL issue. This is an issue with Major League Baseball. It's an issue with the NBA. It's an issue with everything. Why are you making the barrier to entry so high? Why are you not? Let those prices go up. The market will dictate where it needs to go. Maybe the market has already dictated where it needs to go, and this is the right point. Maybe there's more to go. Maybe I just don't understand any of these economics. But I just I can't understand why they treat the stadium like an airport, like and even why airports treat people like that. Like the 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 like how much profit are you making on those beers? Is that profit worth the obscene goodwill that you could get by just charging? normal face price for a beer like a restaurant price because i I go to a restaurant and it's eight dollars for a beer that's absurd like i feel i don't but i also have a chance to not order it like i can just have some water i can have a diet coke like whatever but even so if i want that beer it's like well it's eight dollars okay you know like yeah it should be five could be ten i'll take the l you know it's a couple bucks yeah 
yeah. what, are you, what are we talking about? What are we talking about with this seat is somehow worth you know two thousand dollars, and then yeah, you know, th- this beer is worth twenty, and it's just like I just don't understand. Maybe they just don't want normal people. Maybe they just but it do, it seems to me as every time I go, it's nothing but normal people. Right, and I know what yeah. it costs, and I'm like, I feel like it's almost predatory. I, I, yeah. I really, it really shakes me up, and I, I hope there's a reckoning at some point. I really do. I hope that I hope that people come together and just say, no, enough is enough. Baseball, the baseball jerseys have turned to complete crap. Like, what? Oh, what are yeah. people gonna like realize that the entire system seems to now be predicated on suckers? So it was perfect that they did the Super Bowl in Vegas. Because Vegas is a town that was built on the backs of suckers. Hey, you want to play this game where you're going to lose 52% of the time? Yeah, sure. <laughs> like, <laughs> <Yeah>. Dude, <laughs> the game is rigged against you. And, they've, and yeah. they, they've just taken that mindset and they've extrapolated it into everything. And it's just, it's it's brutal. It's brutal to watch. And yeah, I try to stay out of it. I'm, I'm lucky that I can stay out of it. But I, I, I just wonder, like... What's the upside for this? Especially when it's clear that you know these teams are now such billionaire monoliths. They just don't give a shit. They just don't give a shit yeah. about the the average guy. And um, right, that feels like it felt always inevitable, and it always felt like it was probably on the precipice. But over the last couple of years, and especially post COVID, it really feels as if yeah they've 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 gone all in on on treating fans like crap. And uh, just trying to milk them for everything they're worth, and you know, it, 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 when you see that repeatedly, you kind of got to wonder, like, man, when are you going to stand up for yourself? When is there? When are we going to get a revolution? I know I sound like a you know uh, Bernie Sanders here, but like it, it's it's out of control. And I think the Vegas Super Bowl is the perfect encapsulation of it all. And you know, I'm sure Giants concession prices will will make me feel the same way when I get there, uh, whenever the season opens <laughs> yeah. up. It's uh, oh, I know, it's like. 30 bucks for like hot dog and you know like the normal thing that you could get anywhere else for it's like do you not want me here less do you not want me here and i I guess the answer is no or the answer is if you don't come we'll find some sucker who will and it's like you know what's funny i just thought about this so uh i'm in virginia and i went to a couple of nats games last year um they suck one was free Oh, of course, yeah, and I'm not even a Nats fan, but yeah. you know, I well, so what happened was I went. My cousin went to JMU, and it was like JMU day for like Giants and Nats. Yeah. So we went. That was cool. The that was a series that the Giants got swept. That's right. Um, <laughs> but uh, we were there on a Sunday. It was a good time. They actually gave away um, free tickets to a game, a future game, like two weeks later, and all you had to do was bring in like a you know like a canned food good. Yeah. And of course, when I got the tickets, I was like, well, duh. Of course, the free game is going to be guess guess the team that they were playing for that free game. I think you can guess. Marlins. Close. It was actually the Oakland A's oh, and the yeah. Nats. Yeah. Four team in baseball. Um, and actually, it ended up being a great game because the Nats were down like what was it? Eight to two, seven to two in the ninth inning, and the A's or the Nats came back and walked them off. Yeah. It was like six straight runs. So it was a cool ending. I'd never I mean, seen it. An, uh, it just sucks that you have to like <laughs> play the game so hard. Yeah, like. I know. I was like, uh, and my, my dad's a baseball fan, but um, I think he was like okay with skipping the A's uh, A's uh, Nats game. So I took a friend that's not even a sports fan, and even yeah. he had fun with that walk off at the end. But yeah. Um, yeah, it was like the 30 and 90 A's, and the credit 
credit to the A's fan next to me who was like literally shouting at A's players. Like, yeah. He was into that game. Yeah. And the A's are up early, but yeah, we know how that season ended. But uh <laughs> Yeah, I but, just I just have a hard time with it, man. Like I'd love to take my my daughter to to more games and stuff, you know, yeah. the day and play hooky from daycare and stuff. And, you know, we did that a little bit. I, I spent the last summer on paternity leave. And so we'd go to a, an A's game if it was, you know, middle of the afternoon or a Giants game if it was in the afternoon. And, you know, yeah, you can, you can work the system a little bit with StubHub or SeatGeek or yeah. whatever and get right. yourself in. Okay, that's fine. Not, but the season ticket holder is the one eating it, right? They're the one now eating that cost. So why are they incentivized to keep buying season tickets? And then, you know, you get to the game and you're like, I'm going to eat the cost at some point. I, I would sure like a hot dog and yeah. a beer, but apparently that's going to be 5X the cost of my ticket. And it's just like, <laughs> yeah, you know, what, how, what's the smuggling policy? Like, what can I bring in? What can I not? You know, it's, um, yeah. I'd love to do it more, but you know, it, it's, it's not something that, you know, I'm in a pretty good position. Even then I'm just like, this isn't something I can budget. Like I can't budget going to sporting events all the time and that sucks that sucks and that's a relatively new phenomenon for me uh and i feel like i feel like a lot of people are feeling that these days but maybe maybe they're not you know too afraid to admit it or whatever like you know i just i I really do wonder if we've reached this point of no return and if it's a point of no return i I wonder i wonder what that's going to look like because with tv money's about to go down the the drain it already has in a lot of cases they're gonna need to get people into the ballpark and all they've done for the last three four years since people have been allowed back in ballparks is treat us like crap and uh, i hope people have internalized it yeah well i have to ask you um what the niners so like you mentioned super bowl loss to the chiefs again uh a lot of people are saying the chiefs or the niners rather Mm -hmm. The Niners might have been the best team in football. I mean, they probably had yeah. the best overall team, but then you're going up against the Mahomes factor and all that. So, yeah. what's the vibe with you know Kyle Shanahan, the Niners? Like, what's what's the vibe out there right now with this team? It's not great. I mean, they're 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 big sad. Um, it's mm-hmm. you know Steve Wilkes got fired, so clearly it couldn't have mm-hmm. been that good. Um, there is an overarching sense of what if and a legitimate sentiment of that might have been it that might have been our best shot yeah and that is going to be a really tough thing to shake and i'm really interested to see how this team does it um getting a d getting a dc in will not change anything but it will at least be you know interesting um and we'll see what that who that person is in, in the coming days um They've kept it pretty under wraps. I think that they had. I, I think I got a pretty good read on it. I think they know who their guy is, and that they'll they pulled the trigger there fast. I think they knew it before they fired Wilkes, which was a long time coming. And uh, even though he'd only been there for a year, but yeah, the vibe yeah. the vibes are legitimately bad. They they fought for three years to get back to the Super Bowl so that they could avenge their loss to the Chiefs, and it all laid out perfectly. I mean, because that Chiefs yeah. team is the worst of the last five years, unquestionably. Oh yeah, right. And then they blew it. So um, it, you know, it, it's it's uh, it's not it's not positive. They got two years to to win it, full stop. Yep. Because at that point, after two years, you have to start paying your quarterback uh, something more than a rounding error, and yeah. uh, things get a lot more difficult. 
it's much more difficult to build a really quality team when you're not paying your quarterback $1 million flat. Like, right. That's what they get for the next two years. Uh, he's one 250th of their salary cap, as opposed to most quarterbacks who are one fifth. So you better take advantage while you can. And I don't think anyone out there should worry in the least bit about they're spending too much or the salary cap or anything like that for the next two years. I think the 49ers should create a new definition of all in and uh, we'll see how that all plays out. But there, it is going to be really hard for this team to get off the mat next year. And I think it will speak very highly to Kyle Shanahan if they can. And I think it will say something about Kyle Shanahan too, if they can't um, because the, yeah. the window is so limited. It's, I, I can't pretend to, to, you know, and things will change by you know July when, when camp starts and, you know, Maybe people will be raring at it, but right now I think it's gonna. I think everybody's kind of looking at this and going, "Damn, that, that was that was the shot." Yeah. Well, I get if you can't say, so don't worry. But um, I'm guessing that the, the next DC is not going to be like this huge blockbuster, big time name, right? Like it's going to be like a well defined blockbuster or... name. <laughs> it's not going to be like Belichick or Pete Carroll out there, right? <laughs> no, not not to yeah. my knowledge. Yeah. Now, yeah, right, right. Kyle and Bill have a good relationship. Um, yeah. I don't think it's completely absurd, but I have heard yeah. no mm-hmm. no movement on the Bill Belichick front. That's not to say that something couldn't happen, but I haven't heard right. that name at all. Right. I mean, I've heard yeah. it. I've heard it talk ad nauseum, of course, but yeah. I haven't heard right. it any. Real capacity. Yeah, no. I don't think it will be him. Um, I think I think they know who it is. And, you know, listen, if, in some circles, that might be considered a blockbuster, but we'll... we'll of course, yeah. We'll find out. We'll see. I believe, because I was looking at some articles that you had written recently, mm-hmm. so uh, do you think they can win with Brock Purdy? Yeah. Yeah. Because he's like, you said he's the next Russell, or he is, he's basically like Russell Wilson, right? Very Russell Wilson-y. Um, yeah. They can. Is it inevitable? He almost did. Is, is it inevitable? No. Um, right. I don't think any. I mean, it, it, the, the real challenge here is that there's one guy messing up the curve for everybody. And mm-hmm. if we're holding everyone to that standard, everyone else is going to fail. Um, yeah. We have gone from. We've gone back to back dynasties. I mean, really three in a row because the Patriots did it for yeah. a stretch, then they were off, and then they yep. did it for another stretch. But for yeah. 20 years, there were three guys who you could count on to be in the AFC title game or Super Bowl, really, every year. And it was Peyton Manning, Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers, and Tom Brady. And that kind of consistency and success is even more impressive the, the further away you get from it. But Tom being Brady, I mean, it's just unreal. Uh, he, yeah. What he was able to do will never be matched. But if anyone could come close, it's then this guy, Mahomes. Yeah. Yep. So what are we – I mean, how do, you, how do you even – is Brock Purdy that guy? No. He, he can never be no. that guy. Get in line with everybody else. I mean, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, like they're not that guy. Brock yeah. Purdy has more playoff wins than Lamar Jackson. So, like, I, you know, he won this team two playoff games. Uh, yeah. I think anyone who looks at how at the NFC playoffs and thinks that this guy can't win a Super Bowl is just they're they're just holding on to these prior beliefs that have been clearly disproven again and again and again by any objectionable measure. 
And uh, can they win a Super Bowl with him? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if he goes out there and wins MVP next year. Um, I think, I think, listen, there were a couple of plays that if he makes them, they win the Super Bowl. He did not make them. And that got to put it on his shoulders. There's a lot of other people involved in that, but he, he's got to wear it as much as any, anybody else. He didn't make the plays to get it done. Pat Mahomes did full stop. I, I, I'm not going to hold not being Patrick Mahomes against Brock Purdy. Uh, I, I think yeah. that if there's any, you know, I think the better question is, can they win a Super Bowl with Kyle Shanahan? Right. Um, so, and, and I think they absolutely can. Now, oh yeah, really sucks that they keep going up against you know that guy. So right. maybe they can avoid him. But uh, yeah, there's no question in my mind. But I do think you have to do it on his rookie contract. I think it gets yeah. a lot harder if you're paying him forty five, fifty million dollars a year, which is what you're going to end up having to pay him, which just tells you that he's a top flight quarterback. And um, as soon as that happens, you know a lot of the things that can insulate some of those concerns that you might have go away. And it's just him versus the world. And I've seen right. that, and I've seen him be successful in that. But I don't know if that's going to go his way more than half the time. So if something he... Are the Niners, are they all 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 in on Purdy? Or yeah. is it one half bad season? And Because, I mean, I get different situations. They had the Garoppolo thing. Yeah. They were ready to turn the page. Yeah. They went to Lance. Lance didn't last hardly at all. Right. And now it's now it's Purdy. But were they ever sold on even Garoppolo or Trey Lance enough? Or was it more so Purdy is different? Purdy's different. In this, in this case. Purdy's a different cat. Um, they messed up with Trey Lance. Full mm-hmm. stop. He shows up to camp and they go, he's not nearly as accurate a thrower as we thought he was. And he is slow. Hmm. I could have told you he was slow. I didn't know about. I just the remember the injury against the Bears. Yeah, I remember the injury against the Bears, and then it seemed like before you knew it, he was out out the door. Well, the whole thing um, was the whole up. thing was he was supposed to be a running quarterback, but he was not a running quarterback. And then you have to say, okay, mm-hmm. well, at least he has this big arm, but he had a big arm where he couldn't throw the ball accurately. So it's like, well, well what are you? <laughs> what can you yeah. do? You got to have two of these things. You can be inaccurate but have a big arm and run, or you can be uh, you know, a, a runner and then you know you, you can't you can't be missing two of the main three you can't just have this big arm then you're jamarcus russell cool great jeff george great like what does that do for us so um that was that was it was a big it was a big miss and uh you know listen i we i was somebody who advocated for him at three um it was him or mac jones i think we've seen the air of um, Mm -hmm. maybe taking mac jones i don't i I think mac jones would be in the exact same situation he's in now if he had been the 49ers quarterback there uh with garoppolo was just simply that Kyle did not trust him with his offense. He made really bad decisions. He refused to throw the ball outside the numbers. Kyle didn't trust him, full stop. And the reason that I think that the 49ers can win the Super Bowl with Brock Purdy, and the reason that I think the better question is, can you win a Super Bowl with Kyle Shanahan, is that Kyle has complete Mm -hmm. and total trust in Purdy to the point where Purdy is able to audible anything he wants at the line of scrimmage. He is able to attack any part of the field that he wants. They never take the ball out of Purdy's hands. In fact, they they welcome the opportunity for Purdy to throw it more. So Kyle is all the way in, and that's the only person whose opinion matters. And uh, this is Kirk Cousins, the quarterback that he's always wanted because Kirk Cousins is the offensive coordinator on the field. They have that exact same thing in Brock Purdy, and they have him at 140th of the price. So this is this is as good as it gets for Kyle Shanahan. And again, he better better make the most of it. Yeah, yeah. I, I wonder if the same thing with Shanahan too, because he might be the best offensive guy in the league. Might. But you know, yeah. 
and then there's but then there's the the big game element to him it seems like you've got and again it's hard to play the Chiefs twice and you have to go up against that but there's a 20 to 3 game you know, know. you know the stuff yeah. so the stuff that sticks to him so like you said is it can they win with him and we'll know we'll know at some point yeah I, I think sure. if you're consistently in the running that tells me something um we would know if he couldn't I think we'd know if he couldn't by now yeah 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 I think he's definitely you know, he just needs that breakthrough, and yeah. he's been there close. He's, and and then, like, on the defensive side, like you mentioned, they fired Wilkes. Mm-hmm. So, like, what was the issue? Like, was it just a fit? Is it yeah. uh, they just didn't mesh, they didn't gel with him? Yeah. Uh, Steve Wilkes wanted to do his own thing, and Kyle wanted him to be a continuation of what they had been doing. And uh, hmm. Steve Wilkes was too stubborn to um, to give as much as he needed to give in order to uh, – to make that relationship work. They were going to fire Steve Wilkes no matter what. Um, hmm. I firmly believe that now. Easy to say it after the fact. Uh, right. I'll say that I had the column ready to go about 90 days ago. So, um, yeah, I, I never, I never vibed with Wilkes at all. Uh, I mm. found him to be very boring. And when you got him to actually engage with you on a one-to-one level, I found him to be very condescending, but not insightful. Mm. Kyle, it should be noted, can be very condescending, but he's insightful. <laughs> he says yeah. interesting things while being mean to you. That's fine. I don't care if people are mean to me about that kind of stuff. Just at least let me learn something in the process. Um, right. Steve Wilkes had a, a real chip on his shoulder. I think he was fighting battles that weren't really in existence like i think he was i think he was he was occupied with with some sense of getting justice for how he had been done in 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 arizona or carolina and well i can understand that i mean it just it was it was a toxicity to that and i think it permeated a lot of things and uh he was gone the second that they said you need to come down from the press box to the sideline he was he was done um, that told you everything you need to know about the how the operation was going. That Steve Wilkes, who prefers to be in the press box, who thinks he does his best work in the press box, was told, full oh, yeah. stop, get the hell out of there. Come down here and, hmm. and do your job. Um, they should have fired him on the spot, but there's no clear heir apparent, and uh, I think that will be proven when they have to bring in another person from the outside to run what they think is their their defense and uh, they, they might be right they might be wrong I do think Steve Wilkes did a couple of nice things with the secondary I think that his um, pounding the table for Jair Brown was a great decision he obviously did very good work with the Amador Lenore and uh, Charvarius Ward I think he deserves credit for that I think he would be a brilliant secondaries coach but he is not a defensive coordinator in this league anymore and I could have told you that having watched him as the defensive coordinator of my Missouri Tigers a couple of years ago and he had defensive talent coming out of his ears that he didn't recruit. Um, an incredibly talented defense, and you see them year in and year out um, in the NFL draft and early rounds. And this dude had them so disorganized and so spun around that that season just went to hell in a handbasket. And uh, that's all I could think about when they initially hired this guy. You try to give everybody the benefit of the doubt college is much different game than the nfl and you know it was his first real go in college in a long time you just say hey you know wasn't for him got out of there made made something else happen but now dude he just he is 
he just can't get over the X. He can't get over how he got oh, done man. in by by uh, by the Cardinals, which, to be fair, kind of a crappy scenario, no question about it. Yeah, and then is transferred that into how the the Panthers did them last year, which again, no question, crappy scenario, and there's no question this is a crappy scenario. Just getting fired from this job, uh, but I, I I go back to a consistent phrase that I, I like to think about anytime I'm complaining a little bit too much, which Steve Wilkes was one to do. If you run into one asshole a day, you ran into an asshole. If you run into assholes all day, you're the asshole. And uh, yeah. Steve Wilkes just constantly being aggrieved by something. It's just like, dude, yes, you're right. You got burned twice a dozen times it doesn't matter you got to make the most of your scenario here and he just he refused to do it he refused to do what he needed to do to keep his job he was going to do it his way or the highway and i'm starting to wonder if that might have been the reason that he got kicked out in the last two spots but he has now gone one and done in his last five jobs that's a red flag your missouri tigers beat up my buckeyes in that bowl game pretty i know good, so that uh, was pretty awesome I loved crazy, it. Right? Uh, I loved every second. Well, I didn't love every second of it. The first three quarters were hell on earth, but that fourth quarter was pretty <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I think I fell asleep. Not because I was bored. I think I legit just ended up missing the end. I was like, and then I woke up. I was like, they yeah. lost. They didn't even score anything. I can't anything. blame you for falling asleep during that game. I, I got on a plane that morning. You know, I told yeah. my wife, you know, we got a toddler at home and all. Like, I told my wife, I'm like, I told her I was going. And I think she thought I was kind of joking. And I'm like, no, I'm going to go. And I got in a car. I drove my car at six o'clock in the morning down to San Jose, got on a plane, 8 a.m. in Dallas by <laughs> noon or whatever. Mm. Was I, just doing it up. Just did, did the Cotton Bowl, got on a plane the next morning. Like it was, it was pretty stupid. So yeah, the first three quarters, I'm all I can think to myself is it's three nothing. <laughs> just go, what have I done? I spent. Yeah. I spent how much money on these damn tickets? I have spent how much money on Miller Lights already? Like, <laughs> I'm going to be out hundreds of dollars for a three nothing yeah. football game that the Missouri Tigers lose. And uh, yeah, that's that that's what radicalized me. No, I'm kidding. But uh, it was it was <laughs> that's, that's where I that's where I realized the fans are getting screwed. No, it was uh, yeah, the bowl system has to change. I'm, I'm excited for the playoff next year. Oh, we'll see you then, and we'll I, kick your ass then. Too. I, uh, we'll see. I think uh, I'm not too worried. Well, they, Ohio State. Okay, so Ohio State needs to just get back to beating, beating Michigan again. It's been a very terrible couple of yeah, years. You'll, in Ohio. you'll get back to it. You'll get back to it. <laughs> Half joking, but I yeah, mean, you get, yeah. getting 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 um. Oh shit! What was the name of the safety? Um, uh, the Alabama safety. It's totally mm -hmm, spacing yeah. me on the name right now. I mean, he's as good of a player as there is in in college football. Pulling him in for a Hellcat and a couple million dollars was a hell of a play there by Ryan Day. Um, and they upgraded, you know, they, they upgraded immensely on offensive coordinator. And you go, oh, you know, from <laughs> Bill O'Brien. I'm like, yeah, Bill O'Brien was not a good offensive coordinator. Like, he wasn't a good offensive coordinator at Alabama. He wasn't a good offensive coordinator with the Patriots. Like, Bill O'Brien was a decent head coach, and, and then the game sort of passed him by. And he had Bryce Young that year in Alabama, and Bryce Young won the Heisman Trophy, and then you know you saw what happened with Bryce Young. Like I don't think Bill O'Brien's very good. I know Chip Kelly's good. So um, yeah. I'm really I'm really interested to see actually how the Buckeyes play this year. Quarterback is going to be a bit of an issue, but there's always enough talent everywhere else to make up for it. And, uh, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. But it's, it's Mizzou's year next we'll year see. for sure. Could be.
the Giants made some splashes. They got Jung Hoo Lee, Jorge mm-hmm. Soler, Jordan Hicks, who, by the way, last time I chatted with Jeff about a month or so yeah. ago, Jordan Hicks, like he, I don't think you heard what Jeff said about Jordan Hicks, but he liked the pod. He clicked, he clicked the button or whatever that had uh, the the thumbs up come okay. up. But uh, but anyway, so uh, is the Giants offseason done? Are they? I mean, barring something yeah. weird with these guys that are still out there, Chapman, they're not making any more moves, I don't right? Think so, and I, I don't think anything yeah. weird's going to happen. Um, I think yeah. the Solaire thing uh, was a pretty clear indication of that. Uh, yeah. Farhan has said time and time again that they really like their pitching depth. I mean, my my biggest question with this team is how the hell are they going to get fourteen hundred innings pitching? And I kind of you know when you view Hicks from that landscape, it, you know you kind of like the move more. Like, what's the worst thing that can happen with Jordan Hicks? He's a good setup guy. Well, shit, yeah, give him how much money does he need? You know, best case scenario, yeah, he's a great starter. Middle ground, he's, you know, kind of a guy that you can use for three or four innings. Uh, is any of this worth what you're paying him? <laughs> I mean, I guess if he's a starter, yeah, and if he's a premier setup guy, yeah, and everything in the middle, probably not. But, like, also, I don't right. care. Like, they're not bumping up against any salary caps or anything like that. They're not going to lower the price of beer because the Giants haven't spent as much money in free agency yeah. as they thought they would. Like, uh, so what the hell do we care? Um, it's um, – I don't dislike their offseason. Mm-hmm. But it, you will always you will always feel wanting for more with this offseason because the Giants don't produce internally. Like it, yeah. the entire thing comes up empty because you don't have a foundation of young players that you can count on. So you're always augmenting just a bunch of old dudes who are there to sort of eat some innings and, and you know, you're, you're, you're just constantly, oh, you know, you get Jung Hoo Lee. Okay, well, they overpaid for him. That's fine. I, again, I don't care. I don't care if they overpaid for him. But like, what is he supposed to do for this team? He's not going to hit any home runs. I know that people say that, oh, he hit home runs in Korea. That's a much different ball game than trying to hit home runs at Oracle Park. I mean, if yeah. people – the cognitive dissonance of folks being like, well, Jorge Soler is going to have a much worse power output at Oracle Park than anywhere else, but somehow Jung-Hoo Lee is going to just be able to translate his Korean output, which was marginal at best, to you know yeah. Oracle Park. It's just like, how are those two things the same? Um they're not. It's it's cognitive dissonance, and I won't stand for it. But like, I like the Solaire signing. I think it's a good signing. I, yeah. There's nothing wrong with it. Okay, he's the he should be a five hitter. You know, on a good team, he's a five or a six hitter. He's your three hitter. You know, I, I like Jung Hoo Lee. He should be a five or a six guy, maybe a six or seven guy. Right? Like you, you probably flash the glove pretty good. He's gonna be your leadoff guy. You know, like I like Tyro Estrada. I think that he would be a really nice guy batting sixth in the order. Well, he's your number two hitter. You know, I I I don't know. You know, I don't know who's going to bat third on this team. I, I guess they'll platoon that. You know, they have a lot of. Yeah, and this is this has been my issue with the Giants for a long time. When you have, you should be building your lineup with three prongs. You should have the young guys that you built up in your system, and ideally, those are the guys who are middle of your lineup. Those are your dudes. They're your your corner your cornerstone players, and they're batting one, two, three, four. Right? Those are your, your two, three, four. Those are your top guys. Heart of the order. There you go. Then you should also listen. It, it, I won't pretend. I mean, even the Dodgers have this. 
there's also guys who, you know, you got to platoon a little bit. And those should be the seven, eight, nine guys in your order. And okay, yeah, like James Outman for the Dodgers. You're not going to bat him against lefties. That's fine. You have your, you know, you have your righty. You can go with a Jason Hayward. And the Giants do that as well as anybody in baseball, right? Nobody, nobody knows how to go to the platoon saloon and get something ordered better than the San Francisco Giants. So they should have that. They should have that. It, the issue is, and then you get free agents. And then free agents can fill any of those gaps between those top guys and those guys at the bottom three of the order. They should be your free agents should be your your five, six, seven hitters, your four, five, six, seven hitters if you need it. The Giants are just patching over a wall that doesn't connect. They don't have the young guys. At least I I, I don't see it. Uh, you got to be hopeful that Luciano can become that guy. I'm very skeptical. Right. Patrick Bailey is an outstanding defensive catcher, and I think that there's people out there who do believe that he can be a positive offensive contributor, um, or you know, better than than league average at that regard for that position. And maybe I'm one of them, but I think the vast majority of people expect him to be a minus OPS plus sort of player. Um, I mean, Mate- Matos, Ramos. I mean, duds. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is the year they come back and they show me, hey, they're like these guys don't look like cornerstone players. I think I, I think there's one guy that you can count on from the Giants system as a position player so far, and I think it's Patrick Bailey. And I think Patrick Bailey might be a one way player. Now he's the better. It's the better way, but like at a position where you're not asking that much offensively. But like, geez, Luis, you know. <laughs> literally geez louise like what are we what are we doing with some of these outfielders and so you're you're in the same spot where like three years after 2021 you should be upgraded from mike yastrzemski by now you should have built somebody or you should have bought somebody who is objectively better than mike yastrzemski who is a fine major league baseball player and on a very good team should be the 25th to 20th man on the roster and for this team he's the 10th and I'm just not seeing the progression. Now, maybe it is on the pitching side. Maybe a guy like Wiz and Hunt, maybe, you know, Beck takes the next step. Maybe there's some guy, Mason Wynn, like, when, like, there's some guys who you can, you know, certainly Harrison, there's some guys that you can feel positive about from the pitching standpoint. And I think they've done a really nice job in amalgamating a bullpen every year, which, as someone who believes that bullpens win divisions, you got to feel good about. I think there's a lot of things that you can feel good about. The issue is that it does feel as if this team is not progressing at a rate that you feel like they should be progressing at. And again, that's holding it to a pretty low standard of stepping forward. They treaded water at best year over yeah. year. Okay, You lose Jack Peterson, you bring in Jorge Soler. I mean, you can only do this so much winning by the margins. Right, like everything yeah. seems to be a one percent increase, a three percent increase, right? And maybe, yeah, that's the difference between eighty-one wins and eighty-five. But it feels impossible for this team to win ninety, and that's that's yeah. just not something that you want to be doing. I'm all for sustainability. I'm all for steady growth. But the farm system needs to be, while it has dramatically improved since Farhan took it over. I don't think that there's anything that we can point to and say, wow, Farhan did this. Like, you're so long into your tenure, and I can't tell anyone why you're the guy for the future. That's a real issue. I can't tell anyone, oh, you rebuilt the farm system, and now it's just respectable. How many other guys could do that? 
I think a lot. I, I think I think that his former assistant GM Harris could have done that. I think there's a lot of people who could do that. I think that the bar for being a, an average MLB GM director of player I, I, you go across go across the bay. I mean, grab anybody you want from the A's front office. They probably could have done that. Um, it's harder to be a big market team. It's harder to be a team that has the the ability to spend. Now, maybe the Giants don't want to be that anymore. That's a different question for ownership. But uh, it, when you think about where this team should be along, okay, one oh one oh, you know, twenty twenty one happens, one oh seven happens, like it, fine, an anomaly, unquestionably. One oh seven was ridiculous, and that right, and no one nowhere. can fully explain how <laughs> it happened. Yeah. They, yeah. they they just got on a heater in Vegas. The game is still rigged for them to lose 52% of the time. They just didn't. And so um yeah. I you know, I I I, I don't I didn't expect, hey, this is going to be the start of some dynastic run. This is going to be the start of something good. I expected a major drop off from that and it came. Okay, fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You get some, you lose some. I wanted it to be more balanced by now. I didn't want the anomaly year to be such an anomaly. And so you come back to 500. Okay, let's get five games over 500. Then push it the next year. Let's get 10 games over 500. Well, now you're a consistent contender. Now you're in the mix year in and year out. And you have to do that when, you know, at the time you had two teams that were spending big bucks in your division. Now it's just going to be one. But you also have a team in Arizona who won the National League last year. And were they you know, a very good baseball team? Probably not. I, my frustration lies in the fact that it's not that hard to create a consistent contender these days. It shouldn't cost it. The Dodgers are doing it wrong fiscally. Full stop. You don't need to spend that much money. And it, this is an issue overarching yeah. with baseball. It's a real problem that they need to address somehow. They overexpanded the playoffs, and now there's no incentive to go for anything more than 90 wins yeah. a season. But the Giants, I can't tell you, are going to win I, 90 I, games. Right. Uh, and now they might win 85. That might Maybe, be enough to but get that like, last wall card. Again, you know? like you, you, there's no – 85 is a nice, fun thing if you're the Cincinnati Reds, if you're the – that's – Right. It, even the Cubs, I'm a Cubs fan, and they're they're looking at 85 maybe if they're That's lucky fine. this year. It's it, it's it's not. I don't think it's good for the sport. I think they think it's good for the sport because right. it keeps people engaged. But I think that not having excellence is a real problem in your sport because you don't have anybody yeah. adjacent. So the Dodgers, I do think, are doing everyone a service in a way, in that they're just doing it wrong. Here's- but. Um, yeah. yeah, that's the. I'm not advocating for the Giants to keep up with the Joneses. I'm advocating for the Giants to have more to show than just competence at this point. The fact that they have yet to produce an actual star is pretty glaring. The fact that most of their, you know, they haven't produced a first-round draft pick of any worth in how long is a pretty big issue. And these are things that need to get rectified like yesterday. And um, maybe they haven't, maybe they have enough, maybe they have enough to just be in the mix and maybe it breaks their way, but well, again, with the pitching right now, I'm looking at it and going, "How the hell are they going to get to 1400?" Yeah. They're one Logan Webb arm injury away from being a 72 yeah. win team. 
You know what? Um, speaking of Logan Webb, when I was uh, interning with the Green Jackets in 2016, Logan Webb was there, and I think he had Tommy John that season, so he was gone within a month. But I was like, maybe I just didn't know prospects, and I'll admit that I did Fine. it back then because we were facing we were facing the Rome Braves, and I didn't realize how good Acuna was going to be. But uh, I didn't realize Logan Webb was going to be what he became for the Giants. I don't know yeah. if that was expect it or not but, but that's, I mean, you know that's the thing with prospects right like i'm not going to pretend like i know anything yeah. about these guys but i read people who say that they do and i, I read people who right, yeah. you know have a, a a pretty good track record of knowing and i talk to people about this kind of stuff and so there's a pretty there's a pretty clear consensus on who the best prospects are i'm not even asking oh, yeah. the giants to have 10 guys in that top 100 i'm not asking for any of that what i'm asking for is um even just somebody to surprise us I'm a, I'm just asking right. for someone to be a cornerstone because they're not even giving job to Luciano at shortstop this year. Right. He might not get it. Yeah. They don't have a clear backup. Uh, Otto Lopez, I guess. I don't know. I mean, Tyro Strada. Then who's going to play second? Like that's a whole thing. But like, it shouldn't it shouldn't be this hard to figure out who's going to bat one through nine on the San Francisco Giants at this point. It should be a pretty straightforward exercise. And again, I'm not discounting oh. the fact that every team has some platoon dudes. But like it should be pretty obvious where they're at. It should be pretty obvious that like, hey, you know, against lefties, this is the lineup. Against righties, this is the lineup. I should be able to do that off the top of my head easy. I don't think I can do that right now. I mean, I can. You put put the gun to my head, I'll be able to give you a flipping lineup. But like the, the right. they're counting on Jung Hu Lee to be a, like, five-war player this year. Yeah. I'd love to see it. I don't we'll think see. it's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, you know, like with the Cubs, it's like, are they going to bring back Bellinger? Meanwhile, Mike Talkman might be the starting center fielder if it's not PCA. I, the, Cubs, <laughs> the Cubs are doing the same kind of crap, if we're being honest. I know. At least at least they have they have built up their farm system, but now it's like, is that what they're relying yeah. on? It seems like it. I hope it works yeah, out. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, they, they need but. to... I like I I can I can look at the Cubs and say actually I kind of like a lot of their moves you know but again it, you're not holding them to a, a high standard right now and that's by design like it's totally different from yep. the outside I think a lot of people probably from the outside go the Giants are fine like there's nothing nothing wrong with them and that's fine we hold them to a higher it's standard like, around here right I mean you win in three World Series and I can see why you're at least expecting to maybe it's not even win the World Series every year which would be nice it's and it's not even be the Dodgers, which if you were trying to spin like there's, that, there's, sure, there's but. absolutely no reason whatsoever that the San Francisco Giants should not be a consistent playoff team. So going back to like the free agency and stuff, do you buy the whole like outside narrative of free agents don't want to be yeah. there because of other stuff? That's not, is it, is it that stuff in the city or is it, or is it more like, I just don't want to be on this baseball team. I don't want to play in that. that if you're park a hitter, or why the hell would you want to play at Oracle park? Right. Full yeah. stop. Now, you can use whatever excuse right. you want, and, and there's no question at all that there are folks who are like, man, I don't want to go play in San Francisco because it, 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 they have no reason to investigate further. They have no reason to actually look into any of this. They can just use those as easy excuses because the real answer is that yeah. they don't want to go play at Oracle Park, which is going to zap all their numbers. Unless it's the last contract of their life, they have no – and by the way, even then, it's like, man, my ego is yeah, – how, how could it not be? My ego is tied to my metrics. Like I'm going to I'm going to be a, a you know Jorge Soler looks at it and goes, "Okay, I have the kind of power to knock it out of anywhere." So, maybe he's just got that much hubris. That's cool. That's cool. But he also has to be thinking, 
no one's ever going to give me a three-year contract again. So I'll go, <laughs> I'll go play at Oracle Park. I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. I'm never getting a three-year contract. This is it for me. But if you're Shohei Otani, if you're Aaron Judge, you're doing like, they don't well, have I, to I don't have there. to go there. I have other options. And if I have other options. And then Correa. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't have other options. I mean, it, also he's not a, he's not a player who's predicated on home runs. He's a player who's predicated on defense and doubles and kind of you know uh, injuries, I guess. But uh, it's uh, no one wants to play at that ballpark if you're a hitter. And you know what? Yeah, that's fine because the flip side of that should be that every pitcher wants to be there. And they just I don't think they're exploiting the pitching market nearly enough. I don't think that they have loaded up the way that they should be loading up. To pitch, you know, be like, hey, you want to come pitch at the best ballpark to pitch to in Major League, in Major League Baseball? Like, come on down. We're going to throw I mean, I suppose they did with Gosman, but that was a reclamation project. They, they tried to do the same thing with Radon. That, that was a, kind of a reclamation project. The reclamation project of it is all great. I'm saying, you know, and, and, and the problem is you run into this sort of fallacy where, or you run into this issue where, the guys that you can sign big money long term are the guys that you don't want to sign big money long term because they're pitchers and you should never get yeah. a pitcher more than a two year deal. So, um, yeah, but, really, and, and yeah. yeah, we'll see. I mean, maybe maybe the Giants farm system has gotten to the point now where they can just push pitchers out like nobody's business. That's where I would prioritize for sure. But um, they just don't they just don't have the day to day players, and on the day to day player, you know, you just don't have that lineup, and I just don't trust that they have enough pitching such dominant pitching that they can overcome having one of the five horse lineups in baseball it might be that bad yeah it, it seems like you know i mean unless the dodgers have a mets like catastrophic and i would love that but if unless they have some mets like catastrophic year which it was not gonna happen. happen i mean they're gonna playoffs. win until gonna the win playoffs three games regardless <laughs> of anything and probably about 10 more yeah right and, and then october could be a different story but yeah it sounds like the giants are just it sounds like let's at least wait be a, a second wild card hopeful and we'll go from there. It seems like that's what the vibe would be this year with that team. Yeah, and of, that's you know, that's they can, that's both realistic and kind of brutal. And uh, <laughs> yeah. I just I I just consistently I just consistently wonder what the actual goal is. Um, and it's a tough spot. It's a tough spot to be in. What? Well, you know, baseball had the one game uh, wild card. Or they had the one wild card, then they added the second one, and then it was one game, and then it was like, no, it should be a three-game series. No, so it went from incentivizing winning the division to being a wild card. Now it's back to if you're just a wild card team, you're if you're lucky enough to be like an Arizona-type team in the playoffs, you get hot at the right time, you yeah. might win. And it takes the incentive off trying to win the division. That's right. I, so they go they go back and forth on it with their setup, and they're not going to go back to less than no, well they, teams. It's going to be if anything they, they had to more. milk. They have to milk every ounce they can out of these national TV deals because they don't get any ratings for national games in the regular season. So they have to make make yeah. these TV stations who are paying billions of dollars whole for them not making as much money as they thought they would for these regular season baseball games. And the way they do that is, we'll give you a playoff game. We'll get, it'll add playoff inventory. Is how they'd phrase it. So. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's created a uh, it's created a real issue because there's just n- no incentive to go for anything more than like eighty five to eighty eight wins. Right. Do you like the sport today with the rule changes and man on second gimmick? I mean, yeah. Or does does you like yeah, the man on second? I've got no problem with that. I mean, I've just yeah, I've sat through a lot of crappy extra inning games. Like, what what the hell are we doing? 
I mean, if you're not going to do a tie, which, okay, somehow that's un-American. Um, do you like, uh, I mean, even just, I mean, the fact that they have the, the pitch clock now, you're not sitting through like a four and a half hour game or going through it. games that are almost I loved every hours now. I loved every rule change for the sheer fact of every sport should be changing their rules at all times. Um, this is this is the secret to the NFL's success. Every year for the last 25 years, they have changed the rules. And no one notices or gives a shit because all it does is make the game a better television product. That is the only thing on their mind that is their sole focus. How do we make this a better television product year in and year out? Because that's how they make their money. And Major League Baseball, maybe they maybe they make their money mostly from attendance and stuff like this. But they, for hundreds of years, it seems, I mean, it's not true, but you know, you think back to like the 1860s baseball versus like 1910. I mean, it's a totally different sport. The amount of rule yeah. changes in the first 40, 50 years of baseball's existence were infinite. I mean, to the point where it's in, unrecognizable. And then for it to just lock in and they're like, we're not doing anything new or different is ridiculous. For it to take 40 years for there to be a DH in both leagues is preposterous like it, clearly in the 70s it was proven or it was shown hey uh you know pitchers suck at hitting this is bad for the sport let's not do this and so it's just this constant constant drone of tradition 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 was killing the game tradition kills everything because there's only one way for tradition to end and it's for people to die and the problem is when it when you hold on to tradition like crazy and then people die, there's no one to uphold the traditions. And so all you're doing is just watching your fan base die off. And that's what happened for decades to the point where it's like, this is so boring, I can't even watch it. It's, it's unwatchable. It was unwatchable garbage. And at least in this past year, it was watchable garbage. Like it was it was enjoyable. It had a pace to it. There was it felt like it was an athletic event which is such a novel concept for a sport. Um, every sport should be changing their rules at all times because the world, that's how the world works. Adapt or die. And for all the adaptation or galaxy braining to be solely on how, you know, these teams can save money or whatever is just a total waste because it's, 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 it's just in spite of the sport. Everything that baseball did for the 20 years prior to this was to accelerate the death of the sport. And the, by the way, changing the rules hasn't fixed any of that damage. All it did was hold on to whomever was was still around. Nobody who pounds the drum for tradition or the old ways quit watching baseball. Right. All it did was hold yeah. on to guys like me who are ready to give up on it entirely. And... uh I'm glad that they did it. I'm glad that they did it. I think they should keep doing it. I think they should make the pitch clock shorter. I think that they should uh, find ways to incentivize, you know, get more balls in play. Like, I, I think that there's a lot of stuff. You know, the. So you're a Manfred fan. No, I think there, Rob right? Manfred's a. Uh, I think Rob Manfred is exactly what he has always been, which is a labor lawyer. And I think that baseball. Listen, I'm probably more pro Manfred than most. In the sense of at least he recognized the problem and solved the problem. At the same time, he also, his job, and all it seems he's interested in doing is this job. His job is to be the lawyer for the collective party that is 30 Major League Baseball teams owners. 
That's his job, and that's what he does every day. My real gripe is with Tony Clark and the MLBPA, who I think are just malpractice. And it, it was proven time and time again during COVID. It was proven time and time again when we were doing the collective bargaining agreement. The absolute deranged priorities of the Players Association are a overarching detriment to baseball in that they consistently prioritize the moonshot contract over the day-to-day baseball player. And all it does is create this league of have and have-nots that was always going, much like we talked about earlier with you know fans finally stepping back, it was always going to end the way that it's ending now, which is maybe one or two guys get the big contract and they're the special circumstances and everyone else has to scrap and scrounge because the money only comes from one place. And at some point, that one place is going to get smart and realize that this is bad money, that they're chasing a real problem with bad money, and that it's a lot cheaper to just try to win 87 games every year, and that winning the offseason means nothing because baseball offseason doesn't register. Like, it, it is, it is. but for Tony Clark to cons, you know, n- not get the to, – to try to keep the $300 million contract on the table – at this and take out the entire middle class of baseball, just malpractice. And, and and by the way, maybe it wouldn't have worked out great, but the fact that they didn't even fight for the for you know mid level veterans is just absurd. The fact that they didn't fight for shorter service time to get to free agency is just absurd. They are just so willing. They were so willing to give up everything to keep the four hundred million dollar contract around that they completely missed their the entire purpose of the enterprise and um, you know prioritizing the very few while having well while ostensibly representing the the whole I mean I just I found it to be disgusting and uh, it was very easy for Rob Manfred who is a very good labor lawyer to uh, to walk all over them in that and uh, they got owners got everything they wanted and yet even then you know game <laughs> I don't think what the owners have, I, I don't think the owners have Major League Baseball's health and well-being at the forefront of their minds. I think that they have their wallets at the forefront of their minds. And um, do you like the Dodgers being able to, uh, you know, move the move the payment down the down the road, <laughs> deferring the money? No one's going to stop them. Right. I think it's a bad move for the players. Take take yeah. your money now. Yeah. Um, I guess Otani thinks, uh, you know, I've got my endorsements. I guess he's like the one, maybe the exception. Yeah, but, I mean, listen, it, it t- but they're even doing it with the yeah, Yamamoto. It takes two to tango, and uh, I, I would like to say that you know, this notion of, oh well, that money down the line, that's just going to be like bonus money. It's like no, no it isn't. Uh, I'm sure it is nice, but if you were to put your money into maybe maybe it's different for Japanese folks with the negative interest rates and all that, but like. Uh, anyone, anyone who doesn't take their money up front and takes the annuity is kind of a, a fool, just on basic finance and rule sevens and all that stuff. And so, uh, for all these baseball players to be willingly, <laughs> willing, willing to do that so that they can, you know, recreate Bobby Bonilla Day is is just stupid. Because ten million dollars ten years from now is much different than ten million dollars today, and you'd be lucky if it actually has anything to do with anything. So. 
Uh, I think that it's a clever tactic. I think that it's perhaps even a little predatory. And uh, uh, anyone else wants to do it, they should. They should get. They should. Uh, you know. They should. They should pull it off. But you know, Rob Manfred doesn't care, <laughs> and apparently the players don't no, care. No. I guess it worked out for Benia. He's still getting that money to today. But I don't know. I guess he could have made all that money back. If you can't, yeah. If you can't too. pay me, if you can't pay me whole now, I, I you know maybe we need to up. Try to get as much money as you can up front. I just, I just don't see the value of uh, of that. But again, these, you know, they, I'm sure they have plenty of advisors. I'm certainly no financial expert. I just think that you know, it's like it's just little stuff like that. Like in a collective bargaining agreement, the players' association didn't think that that was a possibility, even though it's something that's been happening for years and years and years, and it's distinctly quirky and all this stuff. And no one thought maybe we should bring this up during a CBA negotiation. It's just like how Tony Clark still has his job is absolutely beyond me. I know why Rob Manfred has his job, and I don't think he's very good at it. Of the official title commissioner of baseball, I think he's really shitty at it. I don't think he cares about baseball. I think he cares about health and well-being. I think the only reason, or I think he only cares about the wallets of the owners. And I think the only reason they changed up anything is because money was starting to become a problem because the game sucked. So then they made the change, but they only made the change because there was a fiscal incentive to do so. The fact that the you know the, it's the job of the opposition party to push forward an agenda itself, and I just don't see that at all with Tony Clark. I just think he just is there to just take whatever Rob Manford gives him, and it's like, well, shit, I could do that. Probably a lot less money. I wasn't a Bud Selig fan, were you? Yeah. No. And, and the fact of the matter is that, you know, he's in the Hall of Fame now. And I think that that's every good reason to put Barry Bonds and every other steroid user in there. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. How can you put the commissioner in? Like, I was like, I, I got it. If they didn't want to put the uh, the, the uh, steroid guys in, fine. But then how are you going to put the, the commissioner who enabled the entire sport in that case in <laughs> yeah. the Hall of Fame? Like, I agree. It's like, if you're going to put him in, you may as well put the, put the rest, rest of them in. in. I mean, by the way, you know, Rob Manfred juicing baseballs on and off. So that was, and that was, that was... I might have actually been criminal. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of money that was won and lost off of that. Uh, it's a real. I mean, that is a bigger issue than I think anyone wants to really acknowledge. The, the, just the constant change of the baseball. How am I supposed to build a team that's supposed to win when I don't know what sport I'm playing? It's a totally different sport when you have the, the juice ball. And. And then you have the gambling aspect. Baseball is, is enabling that. And then if you're gambling and you're, you're trying to bet on games, and it's like, well, now the ball is juiced. Yeah, it's I not mean, it's just the like, amount of money. You're operating billions-dollar industry, and you have nothing standardized. It's just obscene. And then, yeah, I just I, I thought that that was – it just shows how over his head he is as somebody who's trying to keep the game. It's like, dude, you do your labor lawyer stuff, and then in, you, know, you hire somebody who – actually looks after the game and has autonomy to make decisions to make the game better as they see fit but that rob manfred is doing both of those jobs and he is in no way qualified to do the latter so he has this committee well he still has to make the decision on whether to do stuff or not and uh this dude all this dude wants to do is argue over contracts and, and here he is you know having to actually lead a sport through an extremely difficult time in the media landscape, 
in the uh, entertainment landscape and in the overarching history of the game itself and its traditions and what we hold sacred about it and all this stuff. And it's just like, I can't think of anybody worse. Maybe Tony Clark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have one last yeah. question for you. And this one actually comes from Jeff himself. Cool. He's, up, I, Jeff? I, I said, hey, ask me a question, Jeff, that yeah. you want me to have for him. But uh, yeah, so he was curious, like, what's your thoughts on what the Warriors will do with Clay? They will probably sign him to a short term. Uh, I'll tell you what they'll do with Clay. They will sign him to a contract that aligns him with Draymond Green's contract, almost in lockstep at a price that is less than Draymond Green's contract, probably around $20 million a year. And they will just sort of eat it. That's what they'll do. What should they do? They should probably say sayonara. But they won't. And I can totally understand why. They won't. And uh, at some point, it's going to look a whole lot worse than it currently looks now for all parties involved. And that's not going to be a very fun year. <laughs> but when that nope. one comes, nope. then the Warriors will reassess and they'll probably have to get under the luxury tax and all this stuff. But that's not today. And so they will uh, continue continue on the path they're on now, which is keep the gang together, celebrate the nostalgia of it all, which is, um, as anyone who, who's been around the Giants knows, a death knell, forever Giants nonsense. When you're selling nostalgia, that means you ain't got nothing else to sell. And... Um, that's what they'll do. They won it all what yeah. two years ago, and now they're back to they're like bad. Won it all, iffy, bad. Can they get back to one more before it's all time no, to break it up? Win. They'll never, they'll never done, win done, another done. title. But it's um, they'll make a couple halfway decent runs at it. They'll they'll play some good playoff games, and um, that's all that matters. <laughs> it's twenty twenty two was it. Twenty twenty two took everything, took all the luck, took all the stars lining up. Took Steph Curry at the absolute peak of his powers. Took a Boston team that was totally in over its head. I mean, it, it couldn't have it couldn't have worked out better for the Warriors in 2022, and it still almost didn't work. Were you surprised they won it all that year? I, I mean, I, I had conversations off the record before the playoffs. It, no one in the organization believed that they were going to win a title that year. They were a hot mess going into the playoffs, and their three best players in the postseason were Steph Curry. Andrew Wiggins, R.I.P., because uh, I don't know where he's been since then, and and Kevon Looney. That was their big three in the postseason, and they got just great matchup after great matchup for three straight rounds in the playoffs. And you know, John Morant was actually a tough matchup, and then he twists his knee out of halfway to you know, Daly City, so he's out, and then that series is over. They get the Mavericks, who are I mean, totally incompetent. Uh, that team, and that was even with Jalen Brunson, uh, and then uh, and then they get a Celtics team that just was much much better than them. It was a much much better Celtics team than them, but they were I don't know how to put this nicely, um, not built for the moment. Let's put it that way. Uh, they uh, they they lacked leadership. That's another way we can put it. Uh, they uh, their best player is kind of a wuss and uh their second best player thinks that he's the best player but he can't dribble more nor go to his left so that's kind of an issue so um yeah that i i, I was absolutely surprised that they won the title that year and uh 
you know, I'd be I'd be happily surprised again. Not that I give a damn who wins or loses, but you know, winning having covered a bunch of titles before, it's it's a lot of fun. What is it with these like either the Warriors that year or the Giants when they won? It was like getting to the playoffs and then somehow they just they just did it every other year with the Giants. It's like well, well I mean, it helped that the on? Giants had all the pitching, right? And it was a dead ball era and uh things worked out. I mean, sometimes sometimes the, the cosmos align. Um I think that anyone who doesn't believe that luck has a lot to do with success in professional sports just simply does not understand how complicated all this stuff is. And uh, the, the luck aspect of it has a lot to do with a lot. When I was in Richmond interning and Ryan Vogel's song yeah. was there for rehab, I remember just being like, yeah, I knew that the Giants were going to win it all when they knocked the Cardinals out down three yeah. games to one. I knew that. They were going to knock the um, uh, Tigers out. So yeah, I mean it's um, yeah. It, it, listen, maybe I saw a San Francisco Giants team with no household names, save for Buster Posey, win 107 games. Clearly, luck has something to do with something. Yep. Yeah. That's it. We'll see. Well, to, to paraphrase something that you said uh, on Stephen Rizzotto's <laughs> podcast a couple of years ago on the Rizzocast, when you said. Um, yeah, or you basically can the Giants do enough shit this season to be fun? Essentially, we'll see I'd, the Giants I'd, have I'd, enough. I love it to, to even I'd be competitive. It. I think they'll be competitive. I think I think I think that it's almost yeah. impossible for yeah. them not to be average, and uh, that's almost yeah. worse. You know, because there's just I, what yeah. I want from the Giants yeah. is purgatory. Yeah, I want the Giants to be something more than cursory. I want them to be interesting. I want them to have some pizzazz. I would rather them lose 90 games this season in a really interesting way with young players and new names and you you can see it turning into something significant I would rather them lose 90 games this season and that happen than to just tread water for another year and be 500 and hope that going into September when you're one or two games over or under that this is your month like that to me is boring much like you know, everyone tells me, oh, I don't have to watch the NBA until the final five minutes. They're, they're not wrong, right? I love watching games that are really interesting from start to finish. If I got to watch 162 baseball games, which I am contractually obliged to do, it seems, um, I would rather them be interesting and feel like I have something to talk about and it's building towards something. There's, there's, a, a, there's, there's storylines and connective tissue and just a, a hint of magic. There's just something that's engrossing. And that is something that is deeply unappreciated and I think, frankly, schemed out of baseball these days. It's certainly that with the Giants. Um, I mean, it's Moneyball with money. It's it's just, it's a tough, it's a tough watch. It's a really tough watch. Other than Marco Luciano... What reason am I to buy into the three-year projection on the San Francisco Giants? Other than Logan Webb Day, which, by the way, every flipping team has one guy who's really good as a pitcher. Like, why am I to tune in? Like, what? I'm going to do it. Why would anyone else, why would anyone with the MLB package tune into a Giants game this year unless it's to watch the other team? I would, I would, I just, I I probably probably won't. won't because why would you? It's some real sicko behavior if if you don't or if you right. do. Right. So uh, full stop. Like even I'm like, God damn, I'm gonna do 162 of these. Like, uh, 
can't even watch the A's. You know, at least when the A's were fun, it was like, oh, I can oh, yeah. between the two of them. Are they even going to Vegas? Like Vegas is so. like saying, no. stay there. I don't. Let me Vegas put it to you this way. The, the Oakland A's have never put a shovel in the ground, so why the hell would we believe they would start? I mean, incompetent ownership. That's true. Um, it's like Tony Clark's running the whole yeah. thing. Uh, actually, somehow it's worse. Um, but uh, yeah, man, with the, with the Giants, it's like just give me a reason, give me something, give me a little taste of something strange different or interesting give me give me something and it can't be something like tactics like oh they're doing an opener isn't that give me a player that i want to i want to check out Every you know like I give know. me give me something yeah yeah give me it, it, hopefully it's Jorge Soler and you're like god damn he might hit 30 home runs this year mm-hmm. that's worth it I mean, it's not a high bar Soler i mean i would never have thought that Soler would be the the original cub core to have more rings by now than the other guys Co- yeah. chris bryant uh, I mean, at least Rizzo was still decent until the concussion yeah. last season, and Baez fell off a cliff. Well, Baez I mean, was always on the edge of the cliff, a, <laughs> should be noted. But like, That's true. Were you a fan of the Chris Bryant thing, and then he fell off? I, li- I liked the trade when they made now. it. I didn't, uh, I, didn't, yeah. um, I didn't stress too much when they didn't sign him. Uh, yeah, now right. I see why. I mean, I kind of well, saw it he already. Was, he was kind of shit mean, for the, the Giants that season anyway. And like, by the way, that is an interesting thing. You know, I I want to be talking about a Giants team where it's like, oh man, they can add that one piece at the deadline. They can get that one big dude. They can get Mike Trout. They can get somebody. Not can they rebuild their entire team at the trade deadline so that they can be interesting? Like that's what I don't want to. I just want them to be interesting. I just want interesting baseball. Yeah. I don't care what the output is. I just want it to be interesting. And uh, that that is a pretty low bar, but apparently it's not one that's even remotely close to being leaped by the San Francisco Giants anytime soon, which is sad. Prior to being in the, in the business officially, like who are your teams as a fan? Uh, the Chicago White Sox. So clearly I have no mm-hmm. recourse this year. And if I want to find interesting <laughs> baseball, um, watch a lot of nope. Liverpool. Um, you know, I grew up a Chiefs fan because my family's from Kansas City, but I gave, mm-hmm. I gave them up. Um, I gave them up after they lost two of the stupidest games you'll ever see in the playoffs. I think it was 2012 and 2014. The Marcus Mariota touchdown pass to yeah. himself against the Titans was kind of the end point. And I just said, I'm never I'm never enjoying the Chiefs again. That was all pre-Mahomes, obviously. I thought Mahomes was... So this is like a cruel punishment now that nah, the Chiefs are winning against nah, I mean, the Niners I, now. My extended family's all very happy and stuff, so I, I don't really give a hoot. I mean, I really enjoy yeah. the NFL from yeah. a whole NFL standpoint. Like, I really... I, I, I think that it's almost foolhardy to to engage with one team when there's so much good stuff out there and it's really interesting um right and i right. i think that you know maybe i can make that argument with baseball right now too like i love doing fantasy football i love doing fantasy baseball I'll spend way too much time doing those things that's way more enjoyable than rooting for one team um yeah i'm a big liverpool fan uh missouri tigers football I get one or the other Missouri Tigers football, Missouri Tigers basketball every year, and uh, I'm all about them. Um, you know, I was a big Blackhawks fan for a long time, uh, mm. huge Blackhawks fan. Uh, then they won a bunch, and it was like, oh, boy. You know. And then there's a whole bunch of stuff <laughs> that came out of that that uh, felt very weird to well, read about. Yeah, and so right. I disowned them, and uh, you know, I'll put on a Maple Leafs game. Mm. You might be able to see my hat on, on YouTube. I was going to ask about the Leafs. Not, I mean, fan. not a fan. I, one, my head is so big that I can't get normal people hats. Um, so <laughs> right, yeah, you're six so nine, I, I'm right? On, I'm something. I did not uh, know that. Bighats.com. 
where they give you yeah uh so i i just i needed a, a kind of a dad hat uh to complete the ensemble gotcha. so i'm like well i can't do the blackhawks because of the stuff and then uh Who's the the most? I love I love Toronto. I love the town. Love going there. One of my favorite places in the world. So I'm like, well, I love Toronto, and uh, you know they haven't won a they haven't won a title since '67. It might be fun to hop on that bandwagon a little bit. And I got on it for the last couple of years. And let me tell you, it's not very much fun. So, well, you know what? I'm a I'm a Blue Jackets fan, so I I know how it's not fun. However, at least they knocked out Toronto in the I bubble that one year. They were up. <laughs> Toronto was up 3-1 in that, if not 3-0. Um, it was, yeah, they had a game. I think they both traded 3-0 yeah. three nothing, uh, three nothing blown leads. It was it's weird, but that whole year was weird. So, yeah. Anyway, it was great to, it was definitely great to chat and to pick your brain and just, I can, I can really, I can really, uh, I can really let it ride once we get going. <laughs>